Happy Monday and thank you for joining me today. So they were like a tag team, not like the 90s hip hop group, which released their hit Whoop There It Is, or is it Whoop There It Is? I don't know. It's a little bit unambiguous, but um, if you listen to the song, I'm pretty sure it's I think it's whoop, there it is. Um, but they were more like a duo. These were two ambitious Democratic senators from different states trying to get an, an influential bill passed in the United States Senate. And this bill would be a landmark achievement in finally addressing the climate crisis and also cap and trade. And it was not so easy. I mean, this bill took so many hits, including literal ones. Republican Senator Speaker of the House, Republican Speaker of the House, excuse me, John Boehner, described it as a bureaucratic nightmare. Republican Senator John Barroso said, ah, yeah, you know, that darn cap and trade bill that could potentially be a boon for organized crime. What? Uh, then we also had, of course, the classic pro-China punch that this bill will benefit China. A random person on YouTube thought it was funny to rename it the wacky marksman bill. Um, but besides that political backlash, perhaps what was the most astonishing in terms of what we deem as... I guess, normal political discourse here in the United States was when a Democrat literally shot it. He literally shot the bill. I'm Joe Manchin. I approve this act because I'll always defend West Virginia. As your senator, I'll protect our Second Amendment rights. That's why the NRA endorsed me. I'll take on Washington and this administration to get the federal government off of our backs and out of our pockets. I'll cut federal spending and I'll repeal the bad parts of Obamacare. I sued EPA, and I'll take dead aim at the cap-and-trade bill. Because it's bad for West Virginia. Ah, yes, the senator from the great state of West Virginia, ladies and gentlemen, dun-dun-dun-dun, Joe Manchin. Um, and in that commercial there, he literally used his shotgun to shoot the cap-and-trade bill. You can pull this up on YouTube, Joe Manchin shoots cap-and-trade bill. You can literally search this up online. And he shot the bill, which was essentially propped up like a shooting target. And because of that, because of that specific commercial that went live on television and also the zealous constant political backlash, the bill died. It never came to be. So this was an election year, not for the presidency. The nation had just elected Barack Obama, our first black president. This was a different kind of election, the midterms, uh, where various seats in the House and Senate are up as well as Congress and excuse me, as well as governor races, as well as for mayor and other local positions as well. When the midterms came around that year, Democrats just got shellacked completely. The political right had amassed the Tea Party, a successful political movement that caused a red mirage. Republicans just won everywhere nationwide. Now it is 2022. We are fast forwarding here and the climate crisis is significantly worse and we find ourselves in the same situation. Two senators working together to hatch a last-minute deal to make this work. Another tag team here. Uh, Joe Manchin, being a political wild card for Democrats, finally, finally was able to agree on something, along with his colleague, Arizona Democratic Senator Kirsten Sinema. You'll remember her from when she dramatically voted no last year with a thumbs down to a $15 minimum wage rise. Those two have finally agreed, and so here we are, with the Democrats in unanimous consensus on this, the Manchin-Schumer deal, as it's already been called, will become the largest legislative investment in climate change history. 
essentially in U.S. history here, the biggest we've ever done on the climate crisis. And yes, I said will, not could, because it has passed. This weekend, the Mansion and Schumer, the Inflation Reduction Act, the big spending bill, whatever you want to call it, uh, the wacky marksman, whatever you want to call it anyway here, um, it passed the United States Senate. Um, and no, this is not a fake. This is not a, a fictitious episode. This is not false news. This actually did happen for real this time. And I know everyone essentially is always holding their breaths when it comes to Senate Democrats and actually getting legislation passed. But this is for real. This just happened. Take a listen to this reporting from NBC News here. It's been a long time in coming. An evening of celebration for Democrats. Passing their signature health care, economic, and climate bill after an all-night marathon of procedural votes that stretched well into Sunday afternoon. And vote after vote after vote. Uh, we have done this with no sleep. Vice President Kamala Harris breaking a tie on the bill that boasts more than $300 billion in climate funding. The boldest clean energy package in American history. Also allowing Medicare to directly negotiate with drug companies, which can lower the cost of prescription drugs for seniors. And raising the corporate minimum tax to 15% for companies worth over $1 billion. All Democrats voting for it, even if they wished it did more. The bottom line is this legislation is a baby step forward it doesn't go as far as it should. President Biden finally leaving isolation today after his second negative COVID test, applauding the bill as an example of what he ran for president to do, make government work for working families again. The linchpin senators at the center of these talks, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, celebrating the win and earning praise for their work. A caucus running from Bernie Sanders to Joe Manchin. Wow. Um, and I give so, such credit to my caucus. Republicans, meanwhile, unified in opposition, warning about spending against the current economic backdrop. Joe Biden's pushed us, and these plans are pushing us into a recession. Also cutting a provision that would have capped insulin prices for Americans not on Medicare. Life-saving medicines don't do any good if people can't afford them. Still, Democrats energized by the victory. What does this mean for the nation? We'll see. Regardless of an election that the American people are being seen and seen and they're being heard. Now, House Democrats on deck, set to return from their August recess Friday to pass the bill before sending it to President Biden's desk. And Ali joins me from Capitol Hill. Ali, Democrats wasting no time using this bill to try to appeal to voters ahead of the midterm election. Kate, that's exactly right. Democrats already up with new ads touting this bill's selling points in key battleground states like Arizona, Georgia, and Nevada, a sign of just how eager they are to rally voters around this win. But of course, Republicans are too, and they see plenty here to attack Democrats with ahead of November. Kate? Allie, thanks for following it all. Reporting from NBC News there on this major legislative win for Democrats. By the way, when I mentioned tag team earlier, I said unambiguous. It actually, the right term would be ambiguous because essentially you're trying to distinguish what it is anyway. Um, we're going to have reporting next Saturday after uh, the bill officially is passed and headed to President Biden's desk for signature. Uh, this bill will reduce carbon emissions by 40% by 2030. It'll let Medicare negotiate prescription drug prices, extend enhanced ACA subsidies. It'll also create that new 15% corporate minimum tax and also a stock buyback tax. Western senators were able to secure a $4 billion uh, for a drought 
essentially for droughts, a profound environmental issue in our nation and also just globally. Uh, France right now is dealing with a historic drought with their fourth heat wave. Temperatures are so high in that country that firefighters are having trouble fighting a wildfire in the east where 140 people have been evacuated. July was the driest month for France. It hasn't been that dry in 63 years. The last time France was that dry being 1959. I mean, that's just remarkable. These landmark climate environmental calamity events that we are having happen around the world. These landmark events here. I mean, that's just one story overseas. Here at home, for the fourth time since the month of May this year, human remains have been found at Lake Mead, which is currently suffering from extreme drought. Axios reports, quote, National Park Service rangers found more human remains at the drought hit late. Uh, Lake Mead National Recreation Area to the east of Las Vegas over the weekend. It's fourth such discovery in the nation's largest reservoir by volume since May, as a mega drought sinks Lake Mead's water levels to the lowest since 1937. National Park Service rangers received an emergency call reporting the discovery of human skeletal remains at Swim Beach in Lake Mead National Recreational Area. End quote. The cause of death is being investigated right now and currently by the Clark County Medical Examiner. Earlier this year, a report found that the Colorado River is the most endangered waterway in the nation as the climate crisis gets worse. The future of that river is now gravely at stake. In June, officials said that uh, immediate action was desperately needed to prevent a water supply crisis next year due to the depleted Colorado River. It does not just affect Colorado here. That river spans seven states. It's the sixth largest river in the nation. The Rio Grande River just hit its lowest point in 40 years. In the state of Massachusetts, officials are urging residents to conserve water amid drastic droughts. It was just, just last month that officials here in Texas were urging us to essentially conserve power amid these extreme, extreme heat temperatures. This is not normal. And while we're on the, the climate crisis, I mean, let's just talk about the scorching hot summer that we've had. UPS workers literally passing out, people dying, wildfires brewing as a result. In England, they have reached the hottest temperatures ever recorded, causing wildfires, massive wildfires. The Met Office there issued their first red warning for extreme heat in England. A heat wave killed more than 1,700 people in Spain and Portugal just alone. A Canadian province uh, just declared an emergency amid the worst wildfires in 50 years. The Guardian described it as a, quote, sprawling blazes have consumed thousands of hectares of forest in Newfoundland and Labrador over the last two weeks and remain out of control, end quote. So they are still trying to control those wildfires in those two provinces in Canada. The worst in 50 years, and Canada has just declared an emergency. I mean, absolutely astonishing. These extremely, I mean, unmitigated disasters that we are dealing with here. In Mexico, a flash flood killed four people. At the same time, they're having a historic wildfire. So it's two things happening simultaneously. Two climate disasters happening at the same time in the same state. 
we are beginning to have to normalize this as a nation. Here's what just happened in the state of Kentucky. Massive, just deadly floods here. This is reporting from Sky News. It is little over a week since the most devastating floods ripped through communities in this stunning corner of Kentucky. I've never seen anything like this. We travel deep into these Appalachian valleys, past rivers that were overwhelmed, roads out, and homes gone forever. Have you ever seen water like this? No, no, never, and I've lived here my whole life. The people here are not well off, and they lost everything. It took about five minutes, for like I have about five to six minutes, and it was gone. But what about the bigger picture, the cause? Climate change. Possibly, yes. In a place called Troublesome Creek, we met a man called Nolan Allen. He'd approached us. He'd wanted to show us what the flooding had looked like. Obviously, you're scared. I've never seen the water in my driveway that far. It's unimaginable. And do you have a view about climate change and that debate? Well, I could. This is cold country. The people, most of my family, my friends, people I know, went to school with, their livelihoods were coal-based, pretty much. And uh, we can't immediately go to any other form of energy. We just, we don't have the capability. It's just not as simple as going green, going electric. You can't. It is not. You cannot. You can't. Politics is, of course, entwined in all of this. Kentucky is a red state. Climate change skeptic Donald Trump won here in 2020 with a whopping 62% of the vote. And yet the governor is a Democrat. Andy Bashir won his election by a whisker thanks to support in the cities, but not so much out here. And so he must walk a fine line. We know we'll still be finding people sadly in the days to come. He knows how divisive the climate change issue is. Three full days after the floods, he hadn't mentioned it until we asked him. Listen, I believe in climate change. I believe it causes more devastating weather. But my job right now is to get families back together, get a roof over their head, and make sure they have enough to eat. They just want to find their relatives, and they don't want their experience to be co-opted in a larger debate. Eight hours' drive to the east, Washington, D.C., the capital of the world's second biggest polluting nation. Mr. Manchin. Here, that larger debate is front and center, but progress is hard going. Remember Glasgow when Joe Biden made massive commitments to cut carbon emissions? Well, that was all based on the cooperation of the people in there. And over the past few months, there has been gridlock. The deal that President Biden hopes to sign is a compromise, but it does include loans for electric cars to cut emissions and, crucially, support for states like Kentucky. Tax credits totaling $30 billion to encourage domestic manufacturing of wind turbines, solar panels and batteries. In all, the Biden administration says it would slash the country's carbon emissions by roughly 40 per cent by 2030, the promises he made in Glasgow within reach. That's all very well, but it's too late for the people of Troublesome Creek, whose experiences now seem to be the new normal. Mark Stone, Sky News. Whose experiences seem to be the new normal. Reporting from Sky News there on just this devastating, devastating 
natural disaster um, caused by the climate crisis here. President Biden spoke there in Kentucky today after that devastating flood hit the state just last week, leaving 37 people dead, lives upended, and just... I mean, when I talk about extreme flooding, I mean extreme flooding, like only being only being able to see the roofs of homes. That's how bad it was in Kentucky. Just search up pictures, watch videos on YouTube. In California, dry lighting is dry lightning, excuse me, is sparking a concern. It's actually the reason behind the destructive and expensive wildfires there. According to an environmental research climate paper, this is due to the intersection of, of dense, dry vegetation and a large population living adjacent to the fire-prone lands. The lead author of that report, a doctoral student at Washington State University's School of Environment named Dmitry Kalashnikov. Uh, said, quote, unlike human-caused fires that originate in a single location, lightning outbreaks can strike multiple locations and start numerous simultaneous wildfires, creating a substantial challenge for fire response, end quote. We are awaiting what appears to be an impending climate emergency declaration by the President of the United States, Joe Biden. We'll see what happens there as the federal office on the health impacts of the climate crisis still has no permanent funding or staff. I mean, that's just like what's happening. Congress hasn't even funded it yet since its inception last year. All they requested was essentially $3 million. I mean, that's practically chump change for the federal government compared to what else we spend on and also the more money we spend on other things. At the end of last year in December, in the state of Colorado, when it's snowing and around that time it's supposed to be snowing, deep, deep snow in Colorado, um, there were wildfires. The next time someone questions the legitimacy of environmental disasters or if the climate crisis is actually real, I mean, you just ask them if wildfires burning in December while children are supposedly supposed to be building their snowmen and hanging out by the fireplace for the holidays. I mean, is that normal? As long as we continue on this current progression, things will only exacerbate from here, not just for us here at home in the United States, but also around the world. If we are truly going to adequately address the climate crisis and to stop this hell from continuing here on Earth, then we're all going to have to come to the consensus on this. Or at least most of us, we are going to have to do this for the better of the planet, for our future or else we're going to continue to have hotter summers, more wildfires, more deadly tsunamis, more deadly floods, and more tornadoes. Extreme heat waves killing thousands of people. Snowstorms killing millions, potentially thousands. I mean, this is what we are looking forward here to here. We can't say that we were not warned because we were. We just didn't listen, or some of us didn't pay attention, or some of us are choosing to essentially hold it off because we think we got a couple more years. It's happening right now. The climate crisis is not something that's far off into the distance that we have to worry about. It is happening right now before our very eyes, while we are living. This is happening in our lifetime, our future, our children are in danger. So what are we going to do about that? It seems like we're going to need more tag teams in Congress on this stuff, not just in Congress, but also around the world. More tag teams. Because Mother Earth is pounding at our door. 
The question, of course, is will we answer or continue to ignore her until the next whoop? There it is. We've got much more to get to tonight. Stay with us. Welcome back. We have some breaking news here on the Jeremiah Patterson Show. Um, This is a major breaking news story in addition to what has just been happening in the United States Congress, of course, with the January 6th um, uh, Insurrection Committee, um, of course, investigating the insurrection that took place in the United States Capitol last year. Uh, The Justice Department, of course, has been coinciding with that, essentially doing their own internal investigation into what happened at the Capitol and holding people accountable as well as federal charges. We just learned in this breaking news story by NBC News and multiple sources that former President Donald Trump is saying that his Mar-a-Lago home in Florida has been raided by by a large group of FBI agents. Um, At Justice Department headquarters, a spokesperson declined to comment to NBC News on this story. Quote, former President Donald Trump said in a statement Monday that his home at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, was raided by a large group of FBI agents. Trump also claimed the presence of law enforcement was unannounced and the reason was politically motivated, though though he did not provide specifics. Quote, These are dark times for our nation, as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided, and occupied by a large group of FBI agents, Trump said in a lengthy email statement issued by his Save America political committee. Quote, after working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate, Trump said before bemoaning. They even broke into my safe. End quote. Well, uh, this is breaking news here. Sorry for that long pause. I mean, that's just astonishing there that they broke into the former president's safe. I mean, obviously there is a major cause for that, specifically that major, major move there to break into the former president's safe. I mean... This investigation is heating up. The January 6th committee released what was essentially had their most, one of the most compelling and damning congressional hearings um, just last month, their last hearing for a while. They'll be reconvening next month in September for their fall hearings. A lot is happening here on this very front. The January 6th committee continuing to release these hearings and these depositions and these reports. Essentially, the president of the United States knew that the insurrection was happening at the United States Capitol. He decided not to do anything, anything about it. The president knew it was happening. The president was essentially pleased with it. The president was wanting that plan to go along. He was wanting it to be successful there, hoping those rioters, hoping those insurrectionists would be successful in overthrowing the United States government, therefore reinstalling Trump in office for a second term or potentially forever, making the United States a dictatorship. The kind of stuff that is being said, the kind of stuff that is happening right now in politics and the upcoming midterms, I mean, we're barely, we barely qualify as a legitimate democracy anymore. I mean, it's a joke to say, oh, the United States is a shining democracy. I mean, yes, we've had tough, we've had tough moments back in our past and history with other demagogues and authoritarian type leaders, but what is happening right now is so extreme. It is so illogical. 
it is so ludicrous and incredulous that we really do fear for the state of U.S. democracy, the stake of U.S. democracy. I mean, literally, we just invited the Hung CPAC, this Republican conservative committee here in the United States, political action committee. They just uh, invited the Hungarian prime minister. And yeah, maybe that's not a big deal until you find out that the Hungarian prime minister just said that mm, maybe we should mongrelize races essentially promoting racism there. One of his advisors in Hungary just literally resigned, calling his speech Nazism. I mean, what are we doing here? Also, what are we doing in the sense that we think we can bring back Christian nationalism because the United States is a Christian nation? Uh, um, Second Amendment? I mean, First Amendment? I mean, the United States, we are not a Christian nation, although there are lots of Christian tendencies and stuff that we do as a country. Well, not really as a country because it's not really together. But anyway, I mean, this type of the stuff, theocracy, democracy, backsliding, authoritarianism. There's a reason why Christian nationalism and the history of it is rooted in racism. You know, specifically what they mean when they say Christian nationalism. Essentially, the moving and the building of a white race here. Specifically, a white race. I mean, that is exactly the history of the movement. That is exactly what it means now. Do not be fooled by essentially meaning, oh, they want to impose their religion on the national, on, on the nationality of the country, on all of us. No, that's not what Christian nationalism is. It is essentially wanting to make sure that there is a specifically white nation, a purely white nation. Because, oh, the blacks and the Jews and the Hispanics and all the other races are taking over. This is our country. That is not true. That is false. First of all, Native Americans were here, but that is not taught in schools, of course. Because, of course, we are cracking down on critical race theory, attacking things that are supposed to be taught in school, now leaving our children to only go home to find out stuff for themselves in history books. I mean, that's a part of why history classes right now in schools leave me to conduct my own historical research. I mean, I've always done that, but this is literally what we are becoming as a nation. Absolutely insane stuff happening. I mean, people just being lambasted for what's happening here in the United States. The former president of the United States' home was just raided in Mar-a-Lago. What's going to happen next? I mean, this investigation is ramping up here. The midterms are coming up very, very soon in November of this year. The former president is thinking about essentially launching a 2024 presidency run, essentially to evade um, political charges, to evade criminal retribution. What is going to happen here? Will the former president be charged by the Department of Justice? Is, I mean, we just got reporting that they are looking essentially closer into Trump's inner circle here. Let's not forget about the investigation in Fulton County in Georgia for the president's phone call to the uh, Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, wanting more votes essentially in that state to overturn Biden's win to give him the state of Georgia over these preposterous allegations of voter fraud. What exactly is going to happen here? I mean, me, I am genuinely, honestly terrified for the state of U.S. democracy. Can Democrats hold their majority in the House? I mean, it is very, very thin right now. Can they retain their majority in the United States Senate? 
I mean, all that has to happen in the Senate is for one, one Republican, one Republican to pick up a seat and Republicans contain, they control the United States Senate. They got the majority. All that has to happen is for one, one Republican. We are no longer in the good faith negotiating debate politics. This is the hyper-partisanship era of U.S. democracy. The question is, will we survive it? I mean, these are very, very scary, scary times. We'll keep you updated on this story and more here on the Jeremiah Patterson Show. We've got a couple more to get to tonight here on the show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Whether you put down your phone to be there for your daughter or pick up your phone to call a helpline for your roommate, When it comes to mental health, now more than ever, every action counts. Next month will make it 21 years since the September 11th attacks here in the United States on September 11th, 2001. Um, it was just about 11 years ago uh, that we killed uh, the Al-Qaeda leader, which was um, Osama bin Laden. It was just earlier this week, uh, last week, excuse me, that we got essentially the brains behind the attack, um, essentially one of Osama bin Laden's most trusted advisors and closest men, the second in command, who later became the um, leader of Al-Qaeda after bin Laden was killed, a man that has lots of innocent people's blood on his hands, Ayman al-Zawahiri. This is reporting from today, written from NBC News. Justice has been delivered, and this terrorist leader is no more. President Biden overnight still in isolation from COVID, announcing the U.S. has killed al-Qaeda's leader, Ayman al-Zawahiri, in a drone strike in Kabul, Afghanistan. If you are a threat to our people, the United States will find you and take you out. The strike was carried out at 9.48 Eastern time Saturday, early Sunday morning in Afghanistan, when senior officials say the U.S. government used an unmanned drone and Hellfire missiles to target the third floor balcony of a residential apartment building in downtown Kabul. Two people briefed on the matter tell NBC News the operation was conducted by the CIA, punctuating months of planning. U.S. intelligence officials say had been tracking Zawahiri since early this year when he and his family moved to the Kabul safe house, the president giving the go-ahead one week ago. None of his family members were hurt, and there were no civilian casualties. After succeeding Osama bin Laden as al-Qaeda's leader in 2011, Zawahiri appeared in videos taunting the U.S. and its allies, calling on Muslims to attack America. A ruthless force behind al-Qaeda's operations, Zawahiri helped plan 9-11 as well as the 2000 attack on the USS Cole in Yemen that killed 17 Americans. And before that, the 1998 U.S. Embassy bombings in Kenya and Tanzania. Zawahiri's death comes as the U.S. prepares to mark one year since its chaotic and deadly exit from Afghanistan. By then, the Taliban had made an agreement with the U.S. that it would not provide safe harbor to terrorist groups like al-Qaeda. The Secretary of State saying overnight that the Taliban has grossly violated that agreement. Two senior Taliban leaders tell NBC News Zawahri moved to Kabul within five or six months of the foreign fighters leaving. And a senior administration official says senior Taliban Haqqani network leaders were aware of his presence there. 
And this morning, we are learning new details about the precise planning for this operation. Senior officials here say they brought a model of the Kabul apartment building to the White House Situation Room to brief President Biden on the risk to civilians and that very few U.S. officials were aware of this mission before the president gave the green light last week. Savannah. Peter, thank you very much. Introducing Tide Power Pods. With Cat and Nat. I love how much I can stuff into these machines. But that is such a large load. Don't the stains sneak through? Please. New Tide Power Pods can clean that whole situation. You just toss it in before the close. It's like two regular Tide Pods and then some power and then even more power. With 50% more cleaning power, even your large load got clean. How many kids do you have? Girl, I lost track. There's a lot of kids. And then there's a husband. And then there's me. That's a lot of clothes. Welcome back. So I'm one of those people that essentially loves and believes in the philosophy of practice what you preach. So I will just say this now. Um, after much criticism, which was absolutely deserved of me, um, and essentially the comical sense of me always doing this, um, I'm a person that always drinks with a straw, whether it is for water or soda, anything. I always drink with a straw. Um, and I've always essentially had a plastic straw. I've been doing this for about like maybe five or six years now. Um, but it's become essentially a norm, even at school, drink with the straws. So um, I now officially have what is not a plastic straw, but it is actually a reusable straw. We are healthy for the planet, and we are saying that here, especially after that passionate climate crisis monologue at the top of the show tonight. Uh, but I just wanted to say that I just wanted to make that um, news known there to all my friends who listen to the show and to all those who have been... Um, accurately hounding me about that um righteously doing that that righteous indignation there um but thank you for listening to this episode of the jeremiah patterson show this is our last monologue um-esque type episode um for a while it depends on if i'll do another one of these on saturday or if it'll just be a catch-up news episode um i did say expect these episodes to get shorter around 30 ish minutes here because it is a lot to deal with it is a lot to work with um, the monologue in itself is a lot to produce, uh, but I appreciate you all. I love you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Remember to stay positive and inspired. Remember to vote. Pay attention to what's happening. Um, fight for our planet and God bless you.